ahead and have a seat now. Grab your Bibles. So we got a lot of things to do in a very short amount of time. <laughs> Just wait till second service. We're baptizing three people in the second service. They're going to be way over time. <laughs> Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Matthew chapter five. And as we continue our study of the Beatitudes, our series is Blessings from the Mountain. Thanks, brother. And we're examining verse by verse the introduction. Do you, you realize we're just in the introduction? We're seven weeks in and we're just dealing with the introduction to the Sermon on the Mount, the great Sermon on the Mount that covers Matthew 5 through 7. Would you be excited to finish this thing, to finish this off? I'm actually thinking about starting the year with the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. Would that be okay? Do you think that would be all right? If not, I don't think anybody's going to go, no. You know, <laughs> I'm thinking about doing that. I hope that, that would be an encouragement to you. Let me remind you of what Jesus' goal is in this sermon. He's teaching us two things. He's teaching us how to get into the kingdom, okay? But that's not all he's teaching us. He then goes on to teach us how to live as kingdom citizens as we await his return, I was studying John Piper on this this week and I came up with this quote, I love it. With each beatitude, another nail is driven into a coffin. Inside that coffin lies the corpse of a false understanding of salvation. That's, that's pretty graphic, isn't it? The false understanding that says a person can be saved without being changed or that a person can inherit eternal life even if his attitudes and actions are no different from the attitudes and actions of unbelievers. This was the fundamental problem of the day when Jesus was actually preaching this sermon. One by one, what we're seeing in this passage in these Beatitudes um, what we're seeing is that the eternal blessings of God are reserved only for those who have become what the Bible calls new creation, new, new creatures. Or as Jesus will spell it out, only for those who get a new heart and become a new person or are born again. And what we're reading and what we're studying, these aren't like a series of optional suggestions. <laughs> you understand that, right? Um, Jesus is making it clear, and today's sermon um, is not a sermon on how to make the world better. I, I want you to hear this. We're talking about peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. This sermon is not, it's a mistake for you to say, oh, here's the way for Jesus to say that the world is going to get better. It's not what he's talking about. What we're studying, though, is a roadmap uh, to a pathway, a pathway that leads to heaven. And Jesus is urging everyone to get on that pathway. He actually describes that path as a narrow path and few are going to be the find it. That's heartbreaking. But he wants everyone to get on that pathway and he's teaching us how to live once we get on that right pathway until he comes back for us. Now let me... This is a pause here, because I just want to speak into two groups of people that are sitting here today. The first group are those who are on the narrow path. Probably the majority of us. I hope the majority of us. I hope the vast majority of us. It would be my hope that at the end of the day, all of us 
are on the right path that leads to eternal life. And the call here in this message of Jesus is to stay alert and do all that you can to keep your feet from stumbling and don't get sidetracked by the temptation of the world to wander off the path. Let me talk to the other group because there's, Jesus said there's two groups of people. There are people that are on the narrow path that leads to life. That's through salvation, through him, and few are gonna find it. And then there's this broad path. And, and heartbreakingly, the scripture, Jesus tells us that there are many that are on that road. In fact, everyone who does not call on the name of the Lord for salvation and put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is on the broad path that leads to, I'm just quoting scripture, death and destruction and hell and damnation, separation from God, which is where all of us find ourselves before we come to faith in Jesus Christ. The message to you today is get off of that path. I I actually believe if you're in the building or if you're visiting with us online, wherever you are, you're here today and you're listening today because the Holy Spirit wants you to be here to hear this message in hopes that you will humble your heart, understand that you're a sinner, will repent of your sin and receive Jesus and have your peace restored and your life reconciled with God because of what your sin has done in breaking that. The call to you is get off of that path today, find Jesus, accept Jesus and get on the right path that leads to life and peace. This is what this sermon is all about. You ready? Okay, here we go. Matthew 5, 9, one simple verse. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. First question we want to deal with today is who are the peacemakers that Jesus is talking about? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Well, let's start with this, okay? I'm going to tell you who these peacemakers are not. These peacemakers, first of all, are not found in the world Jesus isn't saying, all you people that want to be peacemakers out in the world, if you become peacemakers, then I'll turn you into children of God. That's not what he's saying. He's not referring to political diplomats. I, I'm, gonna, I'm having a hard time on, when, on some of what I'm going to say to you to keep a little weird smirk from coming on my face, but just bear with me if it happens, okay? Because he's not referring to political diplomats or statesmen. He's not talking about skilled arbitrators who are very good and slick at working out peace. He's not referring to kings or presidents or Nobel Peace Prize winners, whatever that is these days. He's not referring to the League of Nations. He's not referring to the United Nations. It isn't found in the Obamas. It isn't found in the Trumps. It isn't found in the Bidens. It's certainly not found in Kamala Harris. It's not found in Xi Jinping. It's not found in Vladimir Putin. It's not found in Benjamin Netanyahu. You know who that is? It's the prime minister of Israel. You look for it there, you're never gonna find it. You know what, he's not even referring to some ecclesiastical or denominational order or some kind of council of churches. He's not referring to that. God's peacemakers are something divinely different from anything you can find that man can create here on this earth. 
And praise the Lord, right? Because all these people I mentioned, all these organizations I mentioned have made a mess of peace in this world. In all of their peacemaking efforts, is there peace? We don't have peace politically. We don't have peace economically. We don't have peace socially. We don't have peace in our country. We don't have peace between countries. We don't have peace amongst nations. We don't have peace in our organizations. We don't have peace in our workplaces. We don't even have peace in our homes. We don't have peace anywhere because humans don't have peace in their hearts until something supernatural and something divine takes place. That's the core issue when we're dealing with peace. Peace on earth. Let me ask you a question. How many peace treaties have been made in the history of mankind? Who knows? Shout it out. Okay, you don't know the answer to that. Okay, promise. But you do know the answer to this. How many peace treaties have been broken? (laughs) You didn't even hesitate. You know the answer. All of the peace treaties of all time in human history have been broken to this very day. And it's because there is a difference, listen to me, there's a difference between divine peace and human peace. I read this, I can't remember where it came from, but human peace is just a brief agreed upon moment in time when both sides pause to reload. That's what human peace is. You might call it a ceasefire or a pause. Here's an illustration of that, okay? Um, After World War II, things were a mess, right? And there were a certain group of nations, I believe righteous nations, that gathered together and united against the foe, against Hitler and the Nazi regime. By the way, Phil, (laughs) if you... Never mind. I can't do it. In case you're confused, Hitler was not okay. In case you're confused because you're reading the wrong newspaper or you're reading the wrong news broadcast or you're watching some stupid rally somewhere. Hitler and what the Nazis did to the Jews and to everyone else on the planet during those days is not okay, is not justified. Okay, we good with that? Can I get off of that now? Thank you. All right, so there was a a group of nations that came against Hitler and the Nazi regime. They wanted it to never be able to happen again, and so they decided that they needed to create an agency for world peace. And in 1945, anybody want to tell me what was created and what was birthed in 1945? The United Nations, thank you very much. And since that time, we have experienced an amazing amount of world peace since 1945. (laughs) They fixed the problem. We know peace now. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Wrong. Since that day, there hasn't been one single day of peace on the earth. That's the reality. Uppsala University of Sweden claims this. This is heartbreaking, you guys. 285 distinct and identifiable wars have taken place since 1946. 
285. They did not include the last 23 years in their study. Which means that not one year went by in the 20th century without a war. In 100 years, not one year went by where there was not a war on earth. The Center for International Security Studies in Maryland tells us that in the 20th century alone, you're not gonna believe me when I tell you this. I didn't believe it, I had to like study it through. This is not right. You know how these people, they inflate numbers and everything. Well, it's true. 231 million people died in various global wars and conflicts. Now, I'm no mathematician, but that was just in the 20th century alone in 100 years. That means 2.3 million people died per year in the 20th century. And we're not, they weren't even adding in man on man, people killing each other in the streets. We're talking about global wars and conflicts. From those wars and conflicts, 2.3 million people per year. So, peace on earth? What do you think? Vote, let's vote. Peace on earth. We have peace on earth. Yeah, no, not at all. There is no peace. We can't get along with each other. Are you gonna take us there, Phil? Yeah. Every relationship is broken and fickle at best. We have issues interpersonally. We have issues mentally. We have issues emotionally, which brings us to fractured families and breakups that translate into our children, which translates into our schools and our universities. Are you awake? Are you, are you awake? I mean, right now, are you awake? Okay, are you awake to what's going on in the world? We have senseless idiocy going on and ignorance. And quite frankly, I, I actually believe that I, I can't like prove it from the scripture. I can prove it from the scripture. I can prove it from the scripture. But I can't prove this specific statement. I actually believe that there is demonic brainwashing going on in our young people today. And it's being paraded around in marches and rallies and demonstrations. And the reason for all of the conflict and chaos is that people have no peace in their hearts. And so the world, which is just simply a reflection of its inhabitants, is going to be filled with the same lunacy and demonic conflict and hatred and division and violence and chaos. And there will be no peace. And we need help. Our world is desperately in need. It's not getting better. We're getting, are we getting more sophisticated? Of course we are. No, we're not. We're going, we're going worse and worse to like the, the Neanderthal days, if there's such a thing. We, we are like, Jesus actually told us, we've studied it. Things will get worse and worse. Lawless will increase. Deception will be everywhere. There will be no truth. We need help. And if there was ever a time when we needed some kind of supernatural heroes to arrive on the scene and save the world, right now. And so in his sovereignty, God has designated and called unto himself a special group of people. And he calls them 
peacemakers. And Jesus calls them, in this verse, in Matthew 5, 9, children of God. So the answer to the question is, who are the peacemakers? Children of God. How many here are children of God? Well, I didn't tell you to put your hand up. Come on, raise your hand. Look around. Look around. Everyone has their hand up as a peacemaker. When Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the children of God, he's not telling us how to become children of God. Like, if you become peacemaking, if you start peacemaking, then I'll make you a child of God. That's not what he's saying. What Jesus is saying is that those who are my children are peacemakers. So the question is, are you a peacemaker in this world or are you a peace faker in this world? If you want to become a child of God, if you want to like, if you're not a child of God and you want to become a child of God or be born again into his family, you just have to look at John 1.12. I think I might have it on the screen behind me. But to all those who believe in Jesus and accept him, he gives the right to become children of God and they will be reborn. Galatians 3.26 says, for all, for you are all, excuse me, for you are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. You can't put a period after God there, okay? You can't put you are all children of God, period. Because that's, that would be false. That is not true. You are all children of God if you put your faith in Jesus Christ. And through grace, by grace, through faith, you can receive salvation and therefore obtain the position of child of God and therefore you have become a peacemaker. We become children of God by trusting in Jesus for our forgiveness and salvation And by God's gracious work, he reconciles rebellious human beings like you and me, and he says that we are born again and brought from chaos where there is no peace because there's no peace in our hearts, and he brings us to saving faith and then makes us children of God, and now we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ did and because of our faith in Jesus. And now we have the peace of God and we're given a new nature, the scripture says, and the image of our father is with us. And if he is a peacemaker, then we'll be peacemakers too. This is what Jesus is saying because true children of God, true children resemble their father. God doesn't leave us alone though, praise the Lord, because he takes it a step further and because he knows that we are nothing and can produce nothing in and of ourselves of righteousness without him, then he seals the deal, pun intended, by giving us his Holy Spirit to live in us so that we can now, the scripture says, bear fruit, bear fruit of the Holy Spirit. Do you know what the third fruit of the Holy Spirit is? Love, joy, come on, love, joy, peace. True children of God bear the fruit of peace. Who are the peacemakers? The children of God. Are you a peacemaker or are you a peace faker? That's the question that we have before us today. Let's look at the second question. What does a peacemaker look like? Okay. All right, I'm a child of God. Do, am, I, am I a peacemaker? Let's see, if, let's see if you look like a peacemaker, okay? Um, but let me first define what this peace is that we're talking about. I'm going to get in trouble at this point. I'm just warning you. Because some people think that P 
peace is the absence of conflict or that peace is the absence of strife, right? Right? I mean, as long, how many of you believed that before in the past? Let's just be honest. I mean, as long, peace is no conflict. Peace in my home is no strife, no conflict. Some of you are nodding your heads. You're just too afraid to raise your hand. I get it. Um, peace as God sees it, divine peace, not human peace. We're talking about divine peace. is far more than just the absence of something, the absence of conflict. It has to have the presence of something. Let me just say this. Everything about God, everything about our relationship with God is all about, it's not just simply stopping doing something. If you're going to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ, you stop doing what you used to do and you start doing the works of righteousness, the works and the fruits of righteousness. it's, It's called taking off the old and putting on the new. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. How do you know when a a liar is no longer a liar? Just when he stops lying? No. When he begins telling the truth. Well, now you can go, ah, now this person's truthful now. He's no longer, when is a thief no longer a thief? When he just stops stealing? No, because in his heart, he's still a thief. It's when he starts to do something useful to produce something good for others when you can know that this person is literally changing. And so in this context here, you, you don't just, it's, peace isn't just the absence of conflict in your life or in your home or in your workplace or in our world. There has to be something else, something supernatural, something divine. In the biblical sense, peace isn't simply the absence of conflict, okay? Are you listening? It is the presence of an active, practical righteousness that draws people's lives together and draws people into a relationship with the Lord, because of the Lord. Peace is just not stopping the war. Peace is the reconciliation that brings the conflicting parties together in love. This is what the Bible teaches. Peacemaking tries to build a bridge to your enemies and a bridge to others. Here's something you can write down in your notes. Peacemakers, you wanna know if you're a peacemaker? Peacemakers long for peace. They long for reconciliation. They long for harmony amongst their fellow human beings on this planet. Romans 12, 18, Paul says it this way. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with how many people? Everyone. Peacemakers, look there. This is what Jesus is going to teach us throughout the rest of this sermon. Peacemakers will look their enemies in the eye and say, shalom. The Hebrew word shalom means peace to you. It literally means this, God's highest good for you. This is what what peacemakers do. This is what children of God do. They look their enemies in the eye, and they say, God's highest good for you. And when they say it, they mean it with a longing in their hearts for reconciliation. Okay, well, Phil, that's not gonna happen. You don't know what these people have done to me. You don't know how bad they've hurt me. Well, all I have to say about that is I've been there. 
But I also can tell you that it can happen and it will happen if you are truly a child of God, not because you're so special and you figured it out, but because the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. And I can testify that that which is physically, mentally, practically, and emotionally impossible on my own can and will be accomplished in the face of my enemies because of the Holy Spirit's work in me. Not that I want it, not that it's easy, but if I, a child of God, who possess the Holy Spirit of God, truly submit myself to the truth of God and his word, and apply my life to the things that I know to be true, then I can do those things that are impossible for me to do outside of that structure. And there can be peace between me and my enemies. Here's something. Peacemaking is not just calling for a ceasefire or a truce. It does everything that it can to reconcile and embrace the opponent and then to fix the fractured relationships. It can't just be the absence of, of fighting. It must include the embrace of reconciliation. Let me see it, say it this way. Um, I referred to it earlier. A ceasefire without a plan move towards reconciliation is just a break in the action so that both sides can reload. Peace is when the truth of the conflict is revealed and the Did you hear that? Because that is the key. That's the foundation to this. It's when the truth of the conflict is revealed and the issue is settled because the two parties lay down their arms, the two parties humble themselves and embrace each other and reconcile the relationship. Some people think that peacemaking is just stopping the war. That if we just lay down our arms and we just give in, then peace will come. That's actually called a cold war. Let me ask you this. How's that going in your home? Okay, you got a brat for a kid. And he literally loses his mind and pitches a fit when he doesn't get his way. Those of you who take the side of just give in and give everything to the child to have peace because it's peace at all costs in our home. How's that going for you? Ah! I want what I want and I want it right now. Okay, Johnny, here, 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 take it. Just shut up. Peace? Yeah, yes, it is. Because he takes the candy and he's like, I love it. And mom and dad can go, ah, peace in the home. Until Johnny decides while he's working on his iPad and doing everything else he wants to do because you give him everything. Decides he wants another piece of candy. But now it's right before dinner. And you know what's best for him and you tell him no. And so what does Johnny do? Ah! And he does it worse this time especially if you delay. Because what does Johnny know? All I gotta do is scream loud enough and long enough and mom and dad will give in because they want 
peace. They know that. They know you want peace in the home. So he's just gonna keep on screaming until you give in to peace. Are you listening? That's called peace faking. What does Johnny need? Johnny needs the rod of correction. Did you say that out loud? I absolutely said it. I'm looking at the cameras. I'm just saying what the Bible says, that a child left to himself will come to ruin. You're not helping that kid, and you certainly aren't contributing to peace in your home. You're just spoiling that child, and that child will turn into a spoiled teenager and turn into a spoiled young adult and will end up on picket lines and end up on demonstrations that are just that are just spewing falsehoods everywhere and ruining everything in our culture. And then they turn in and then they turn into the human beings that are like running the world. They turn into the adults that don't have a clue and all they do now because they learned it when they were kids in your home is scream as loud as they can to get whatever they want until they get it. Yeah, there's peace in the world. That was like a weird sidetrack. <laughs> Some will say that if I just lay down and kind of like let love cover it, then the conflict will go away. That's peace faking, my friends. That is not peacemaking. All you've done is drive it underground and it will sit there and smolder and it will rise again. And the next time it rises, it will rise stronger and a stronger vengeance than ever before. Peacemakers long for peace, but, I can, but can I say one more thing to you? It might not work. Your peacemaking might not work because it takes two parties. It takes both parties to humble themselves and lay down the selfishness in order for there to be peace between the two parties. You both have to surrender or there is no peace. Did you notice that Paul said in Romans, he said, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, if it's possible, peacemakers, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. But he's admitting in that statement that there will be times that standing for truth will make peace impossible. And here's, here's what I mean by, look at this verse. This is Paul again in 1 Corinthians 11 addressing some things that are happening at the church of Corinth. This is what he says. I hear that there are divisions among you and to some extent I believe it. For there must be differences. Are you listening? There must be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. Paul wouldn't have said that if he was trying to teach them that in order to be a peacemaker, you have to compromise the truth, you have to lay down what you know to be true in order to prevent division at all costs in the church. That's peace faking. In fact, it was because the genuine Christians in their presence were being genuine peacemakers by speaking truth instead of peace fakers that caused the division that existed in their, in their presence. Here's another thing that makes you know if you're a peacemaker. Peacemakers choose content over comfort. They choose content over comfort. 
I'm getting deeper, aren't I? I'm, I'm like stepping deeper into the mire of this subject, but write this down somewhere, you guys. I don't have it on the screen, but you have to write. This is the foundational sentence of the entire sermon today. Peace must be accompanied by truth or there is no peace. Peace must be accompanied by truth or there is no peace. Peace cannot exist outside the presence and direction of truth. I'll say it to you like this. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, right? Say it, right? Yeah, yes? Okay, even at the announcement of his birth, which is a wonderful season we're coming into, the angel announced to the shepherds in Luke chapter two, verse 10, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Unto you is born this day a savior, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And then the scripture says that a whole multitude of angels appeared and this is what they sang, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. So Jesus, the Prince of Peace, came to earth to bring peace, right? Right? Unless you talk to Jesus. Look what Jesus says in Matthew 10 of himself, verse 34. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. What? Wait, the angel said you're gonna come and bring peace to the earth. What are you talking about? I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. What? For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. And anyone who loves, this is the key, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me or my truth is not worthy of me. And anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me or my truth is not worthy of me. You can almost hear him saying, and anyone who loves peace at all costs over me and my truth is not worthy of me. Because that's what he's saying in the mix here. The message of the gospel is going to cause conflict. Here's what Jesus is saying. And if we, if we continue in this message, we'll, you'll read this. You must love peace and you must long for peace and you must love and pray for your enemies and you must do good for those who mistreat you and greet them and you must long for the conflict between you to be cooled. But... But, are you listening? You must never abandon your allegiance to me and to the truth of my word, no matter how much animosity or conflict you may bring or it may bring. You're not, listen to me, you're not guilty of wrong if your dedication to truth and righteousness results in hostility from some and acceptance by others. Listen, my friends, there's going to be strife even in the midst of our attempt at peacemaking because that's the world we live in. I can illustrate it like this. We have a little wristband, right? This is the wristband of the gospel, okay? What does the gospel mean? What does the word gospel mean? The good news, okay? We've got good news. I've got good news to share with you. But where do we start the good news of the gospel? with the blackness, with the bad news. You have to accept and embrace the bad news before you can experience the good news of the gospel. You have to hear that you're a sinner 
and because of your sin, you're separated from a righteous God. You have to understand that and embrace, I'm a sinner. And you have to embrace the fact that the wage, what you earn because of your sin is death. So there has to be, there's bad news before there's good news. Well, that's not very nice to go around telling people that they're sinners. No, that's actually the most, the nicest thing I can ever do for you is to tell you the truth. Because unless you hear the truth, you'll never experience peace. Are you hearing me? True peace will come to the world only after the sword of the Lord, which is the word of God, only until the sword of truth, the sword of purity, and the sword of righteousness, and the sword of holiness, the sword of the Lord has fallen upon the hearts of broken people. And many, the scripture says, will stumble over that truth and be offended by that truth, and some will be saved by it. But biblical, oh man, Phil, biblical, please don't misunderstand this, okay? Hear everything I'm saying. Don't make, a, don't make a decision about what I'm saying until you hear the end of what I'm saying, please. Biblical peacemakers are not like quiet, mousy, live and let live, create no waves, create no issues, peace at all costs, sweep it under the rug, let love cover it kind of people. They're not. Those are, those are peace fakers. True biblical peacemakers will not swallow the status quo or the false narratives or the wokeisms or the blatant lies that are going on out there, but will lovingly, this is where I want you to hear me, will lovingly and respectfully bring truth to bear on it all, even if it's in our own circles. True biblical peacemakers won't be like, oh, I don't want to ruffle any feathers. I'm not going to say anything about the wrong my son is doing. I'm not going to confront my husband on the unrighteous things that he's watching. I'm not going to tell my friends that they're going down the wrong path and they're going to end in death and destruction. They're going to go to hell. It's only going to cause conflict if I bring those things up. Well, that's just a cop-out. I'm, I'm sorry, but that is just a cop-out and one of the most selfish, unloving things that anyone could ever do or say. I present to you that that's peace faking and that's not peacemaking. I'm gonna close this part out by just using James 5.20. Whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death. Got a guy, a girl is on, on, the, on the path of destruction. They're wandering down the wrong road um, it's gonna be painful to tell them that. It's gonna be painful to tell them what they need. But they have to hear the bad news before they can embrace the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, there's no salvation unless there's repentance. And there's no repentance unless you are, what have we learned here? Poor in spirit. And you mourn over the fact that you are broken and you're bankrupt spiritually. And then you humble yourself in meekness before the Lord and you repent of your sin and you give your life to the Lord and then you spend the rest of your life hungering and thirsting for righteousness. If you don't go through that process and you, you can't go through that process unless you understand the bad news first. Whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death, will lead him into peace and will cover 
a multitude of of sins. So my friends, speak truth first. Make peace. Speak Jesus. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind, for I know there is peace within your presence. So I speak Jesus, the way, the truth, the life, the only way, the only truth, and the only life. Got a couple more minutes. And I'm, I'm kind of conflicted right now. <clears throat> but some of you have asked me to address the whole Israel-Gaza conflict. Um, what a day to speak on that, you know, to, to address that on the day we're talking about peacemaking. Here's my answer. I stand with Israel. Now, just hang on. Some people take offense to that statement. Some people, and and good people, take offense to it. I'd like to say they take offense to it. Ooh, man. Um, Peace. must be accompanied by truth or there is no peace. You have to apply that to what's going on in Israel right now and the Gaza Strip. I think Satan is at work big time right now. The demonic is actively involved in in actually, I believe, okay, I believe, um, possessing people and their minds in order to do. Normal human beings will not do. They'll do bad things, but they won't do the horrible, horrible things. Like, I just, I gotta be careful. A little, you know what I'm talking about. There's the little kids in here, and I don't really wanna, wanna go here. But um, Hamas is not a, is not a, um, freedom-loving um, governmental in- entity. Hamas is a terrorist organization driven and funded and trained by Iran and the whole Islamic agenda. That is to wipe out everything that is not Islam. And they're, they've been doing this from day one. They've been doing this from the very beginning, attacking and trying to kill and wipe out God's people and God's plan on this earth. And it's no different today. It's just getting worse. And they are attacking. Israel is not attacking. Israel is defending itself. Let me read for you something, okay? I, I, I have to say, I, I'm not gonna, I probably am gonna raise more questions than I'm answering here this morning. It would take me hours. We would have to spend hours together studying. Go study it and study this stuff. Study what's going on with credible sources, not twisted sources that Satan is using to twist the minds of people against God's plan and against God's purpose. Romans 13 tells us that the government bears the sword to protect its people from evil. 
The government are the agents of God's wrath to punish all evil doers. I want to submit to you that Israel is doing what God designed government authorities to do, and that is to protect its people from the onslaught of evil. Hamas has come into their country and is wiping out women and children, and they're, they're, it's, not, it's not one government entity that goes to the other government entity and says, you guys have what we want, we want it back. Or we, th- you have what is ours, we want it back. And this government says, no, you can't have it, it's ours. And so they say, if you don't, if you don't do it, we're gonna come and attack you, and we're gonna take it from you. And the government says, bring it on. The other government says, bring it on, and they go to fight, and that's, a, that's called a war. What's happening in Israel is not a war. You need to understand that. It is a wicked, demonic, satanic attack on Israel, on God's people, against civilians, against the innocents in Israel. And Israel is doing what God has designed it to do, which we would please, please give us a government and give us leadership that if this thing happens on our soil, that we will say, here's what the government is for. The sword of the government is to wipe out all that is evil in this world, and it is actually a hand of God to bring judgment upon those evildoers. And we're not going to just take care of it a little bit here so that then they can come back later on. Remember, that's peace faking. Well, let's just hit them a little bit and then let's do a ceasefire. And that's just ridiculous. Let me say this. Not everyone in Gaza is Hamas. I think it's admirable and, 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 and human for Israel to say to those people, um, we're getting ready to wipe out this terrorist organization in your land. If, you don't want, if you're not part of it, and you don't want part of it, here are your safe accesses out, and we're not going to, we're gonna hold, withhold our attack in those areas so that you can get out. Now, some might say, well, you're displacing people. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, there are very wicked people out there that aren't just bringing hardship and chaos upon the people in Israel, they're bringing that chaos upon their own people in Gaza. Educate yourselves, people. peace. Without the presence of truth, there is no peace. I stand with Israel. And here's, here's why fundamentally, um, the Bible says that those who bless Israel will be blessed and those who curse Israel will be cursed. Is Israel perfect? Absolutely not. Actually, Israel's probably not even led. The majority of the people leading Israel and their government right now, they aren't born-again believers. So we need to pray for them. We need to pray for our enemies, the Bible says. For what? That they will come to the truth and the truth will set them free. I, I just, but I, I stand for Israel. And if you want to know where I stand, that's where I stand. I just want you to know I will always stand there because I always want to be on the side of blessing those that God blesses. And I, let me take that back. 
If Israel becomes, if Israel somehow becomes some kind of terrorist organization, I won't stand with them, right? I just said I will always stand with Israel. What I know about Israel is that there is a plan that God has. It's a prophetic plan, and he's working out that prophetic plan right now. And it's not going to go well for Israel. It's not. We're told that like two-thirds of Israel will be wiped out before this whole thing's over and before the Lord comes back. But there will be a remnant, and they're God's people, and he will continue to work with God's people. So I, until then, I stand with Israel. I wonder if you would stand with Israel with me. You don't have to, but I'm gonna pray over them right now and I'm gonna pray over what's going on in the whole conflict right now as we close our time together. <sighs> Father, I don't pretend, we none of us pretend to know all of what's going on. But we know that you are sovereignly in control of all things. We know that what is happening with Israel right now is part of your prophetic plan. I pray for their leadership. I pray that they will be righteous in what they're doing. I pray that they will do what they're called to do and that is protect their people from evil. I pray that you will use them as instrument to wipe out, totally eradicate the evil that is in that region and all those who are coming against them. My friends, I'm just talking to you right now. I don't know if you know it, but in their religious world, the enemy, the, the terrorists, they call Israel the little Satan. They call America the big Satan. I pray your protection over us, Lord from attacks that might be right now being planned in our own country. But I pray for governmental leaders that they will be righteous. They will do the right thing to protect their people. I pray for those families that still don't know where their kids are, still don't know where their loved ones are or have lost their loved ones as a result of this. On the Israel side of things, I pray for them. I pray for comfort for them. I pray for healing for them. I pray that they will hear the name of Jesus and they will believe on you during this time of conflict. I pray for those in Gaza who are literally victims of a wicked, horrible terrorist organization, Hamas and Hezbollah and everything else in Iran that's being driven. I pray for them that you'll protect them, that you'll help them do what is best to get out of the conflict, that you'll provide for them miraculously. I've been hearing all kinds of stories about how you are miraculously providing for people through all this. Continue to do that. I pray for the salvation of the terrorists because they can be saved and they can know peace and they can be reconciled and they can lay down their arms. But Lord, stop the wickedness. Stop the deception and make us agents of peace through truth in the world in which we live. Lovingly, respectfully sharing the truth, speaking the truth in love so that people can find you and find peace in this world. Help us to go from this place speaking the name of Jesus and his name alone for salvation. We pray this in the powerful name of your son, Jesus Christ, amen.